Let's do it. So we're going to be doing Black Dynamite. Black Dynamite is the 2009 film starring Michael Jai White. Uh, Michael Jai White, who people not, might know, he's been in kind of a bunch of other things. Uh, he was in a Tyler Perry movie <laughs> called Why Did I uh, Why Did I Get Married uh, One and Two, uh, by the way. Um, and oh, yeah. he uh, has a professional background in martial arts. Uh, very physically fit guy, you know, as you can see, you know, from his profile, if you, you know, take a look at him, very, very physically fit guy. Um, mm -hmm. And this was a passion project for him, uh, mostly, you know, creating this uh, movie. And it, it's, you know, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I haven't seen this movie in a while. Uh, so it was kind wow. of nice. I'm glad it won the poll uh, because I was mm -hmm. like, it's nice revis revisiting this movie because this movie is a parody on black exploitation movies, you know, movies of the 70s, mm -hmm. you know, things like you had coffee. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's less a parody and more a straight up love letter to all of those films. Love letter. That'd be At probably that's how I see it. Yeah, that'd probably be a better word of all the kind of uh, things that kind of happened during that time mm -hmm. where you had this character. You always had like in these black exploitation movies, like you had this guy who he always knew karate. He was the baddest guy, the coolest guy, uh, the most invincible guy in the world. He's a me. He's a mean motherfucker, and he's super bad. Uh, you know, Superfly was like a big one that people always uh, referenced. Uh, Shaft, even though Shaft really gets thrown in with a oh. lot of black exploitation movies, but it really wasn't very much a black exploitation yeah. movie. Yeah, Shaft. Yeah, Shaft is more of a, a crime noir detective film. But a, another one that uh, gets compared to the well, this movie is uh, uh, paying tribute to is uh, something like Dolomite. Dolomite, and there's even a reference um, to one of Rudy Ray Moore, who was one of the uh, godfathers of the black exploitation film, uh, Disco Godfather, where Black Diamond talks about, you know, where is Bucky and what has he had? Um, <laughs> you know, because let me see if I can pull up that clip there, uh, because that was kind of one of the things that, uh, you know, that was very big of Disco Godfather. And here's the clip right here. I got to go to the hospital. It's my little nephew, Bucky. He od where is Bucky and what has he had? Um, so that was, yeah, that was kind of a thing that, that was there from Disco Godfather. Um, and I'm going to play the clip from uh, Disco Godfather right here where it's, it's the clip it's referencing. And Rudy A. Moore, legendary guy who passed away, not that, uh, I think, well, I forgot what exactly he passed away. And what has he had? Angel dust. Yeah, he died in uh, October of 2008 at age 81. Yeah. And for everything that the, that Rudy Ray Moore did, especially for a black cinema back in the 70s, where he gave a lot of uh, black actors a voice and a platform and something that and just little things that are in this movie where you have some actors who are kind of delivering their lines with the cadence of Shakespeare. It's like, I got to get back to the streets where I come from, sucker. <laughs> and and that was a thing because a lot of these actors in these black exploitation films were like classically trained Shakespearean types. Mm. So it was like funny little nods to to that. And something that I've rewatched this movie probably like 20 different times. And every single time I come away with something new, this movie is essentially a joke a minute, but it's only if you really pay attention, if you're really watching it and looking for them. Yeah. 
Um, so if you really know the tropes of, you know, the black exploitation uh, kind of genre, what they did, they even say so they do a lot of good things here. I'm going to pull up some of the scenes, too. Of like there's one scene I really love where they include like you had a lot of black exploitation movies or just like these kind of kind of cheap movies there where they didn't have enough money to just film it again. So there'd be times when people would mess up and they would keep it in the movie. Like so there's a scene in here where somebody gets hit and they really do goes like, damn, bro, you really fucking hit me. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Motherfucker. <laughs> I got this clip right here. Him doing exactly that, uh, which was re- which was really funny. <laughs> uh, Motherfucker, <laughs> bad fool with a lot of muscle. Ma- <laughs> uh, yeah, he just he, he accidentally hit me. He's like, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> and you can see like the next scene is complete. Just, compl- bro, just re- replace the actor. <laughs> just put the same wig and outfit on him. Yeah, it's not even close to looking like the same guy. So that guy, the guy that got their light skin, they got a completely light skin dude from a dark skin dude. Uh, the dude is the dude they got to replace some light skin and thirty pounds lighter. It's like, damn, bro! <laughs> like not even trying to keep it close at all. Um, so there's just a lot of funny things that kind of happen there. And then the black exploitation genre is, is led to um, it being referenced tons in, you know, other movies like Jackie Brown was a big one with, um, you know, Quentin Tarantino film, uh, which brought in Pam Greer, Pam Greer, who was a black exploitation icon at the time um, back in the seventies um, undercover brother, which was also up for the poll that we did. Um, you know, when we, when we did a, a, what movie we're going to review next, uh, which was a movie I was kind of pulling for because undercover brother is another movie I haven't seen in a Same. while. Uh, with Eddie Griffin, Same. I haven't seen that movie in years. Yeah, yeah. Eddie Griffin, and that was that was kind of uh, a proto this, where that movie was played as a straight up comedy, even down to the production side. They made this as if it were a black exploitation seventies film. Mm. Yeah, um, and then you know, with this film, Black Diamond, you have a lot of also like uh, black actors uh, who are in this movie and black like uh, comedians who are in this as well. Um, like you have Arsenio Hall, legendary comedian, people know from Coming to America. Um, you have Cedric Yarbrough, who has a, a very classic line in this. People might know he was in Reno 911. Um, he has a very classic line. It's like, where, it's like here, here, I got you. Uh, it was like, I'm declaring war on anybody who sells drugs in our community. <laughs> oh, and then uh, Cedric, I'm sorry, I, damn, I missed Lay up there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then Sergio was like, but Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. I mean, just the absolute, <laughs> just the line delivery there is fantastic from and, him. And from every, and from everything I heard, that was completely improvised by Yarborough. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's pretty good. Um, in that scene, too, that's also a really great scene. It's a scene where he goes, because in the, in the movie, the plot, the uh, premise of it is you have you know, Black Dynamite, who's super guy, he's a you know, soldier, he's ex-CIA, he's, you know, all these different things, comes back to his old neighborhood because his brother died um, and in a, in a shootout, uh, he got discovered uh, in a sting operation, so he got, he got killed. And so he's coming back to investigate who's, you know, to take down the people who killed his brother. And then that's when he kind of declares war kind of on the community of like drug dealers and pimps and things like that. Uh, and I'm going to pull up the scene of when uh, that, that uh, we were kind of discussing there. But, um, yeah, you have a, a lot of you know other people in this. Tommy Davidson is also in this. Tommy Davidson, uh, like what was kind of a big project? He's the voice of the dad on The Proud Family. Uh, people might know him from that. He was also in Living mm-hmm. Color, a part of that. Um, he was also in Bam boozled um as well 
what was that uh i want to say that there was another movie he was in with uh oh booty call that was the movie uh booty call <laughs> with jamie fox he was in that um as well uh so yeah and you know nick he wanted to kind of stream this movie because it is on amazon prime and people can mm-hmm. watch it there um it being on amazon yes. prime uh but there's yeah, a lot was, of uh yeah it just yeah it just came to me that that you know this would probably be a very fun watch party because that's more or less how I've revisited this movie every single time since watching it initially. I would always, it would always be that thing I would always show to friends whenever they came over. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and the, you know, you wanted to stream it, but uh, there is a, also, I don't know how that worked with Twitch because there's a lot of nudity mm-hmm. uh, in, especially the beginning, the very beginning, almost very beginning of this movie. You see, when you're introduced. <laughs> it's, like, it's like three, you're introduced to Black Dynamite and three sets of titties. It's like, whatever he finds out, whose brother this is, you know, there's got to be hell a coming, a coming, coming, coming. <laughs> And then, yeah, I mean, you see it. So probably not the most suitable thing for Twitch, probably, um, to, to kind of stream there. Uh, but I got the scene here um, that, that we were kind of referencing. I'm declaring war on anybody who sells drugs in our community. For Black Dynamite, I sell drugs in the community. <laughs> uh, so, and then he kind of forms a, a group of people uh, that helps, like, his team that, you know, takes down all these drug dealers. And you see that, like, a montage you see. Mm-hmm. Um, of them kind of fighting these people, which I thought was really great. So I think the commitment from everybody involved is a lot. And then in that scene also, um, you have Bokeem Woodbond, uh, who has a good moment there. So I guess Bokeem Woodbond now would be the good Dave Chappelle instead of the evil Dave Chappelle now. Uh, so you also kind of had him there. who's playing one of the pimps um, in that scene. Miguel Nunez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's, uh, yeah, who's a character named Black Backhand Jack, who in the end credits, it's misspelled. <laughs> Oh really? Oh, I didn't. I missed that. Yeah. So, yeah. This, this, yeah I mean, this tells some things you can go with this movie. Funny gags, funny bits um, that really work really well. Um, what were some of your thoughts on uh, Black Dynamite here? See, uh, see, uh, when I first saw the trailer for this, I was kind of assuming it was gonna be like a scary movie type thing. Which, even as much as I like the first scary movie, that move that is pretty much just taking the piss out of that entire genre. And there's almost like a we're better than this kind of material feel to a film like that, even though I like the first one. The rest of them, fuck them. But with here, there's so much uh, love and attention to detail for this era of film that you can't help but be charmed to it, even down to down to the production, down to the casting, because um, this film was also written by... Uh, by Michael Jai White, who co-wrote it with Scott Sanders, who is the director of this, and Byron Minns, who plays a bullhorn in this. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the yeah, the commitment to it, like I said, so parody probably, I mean, isn't really probably the best word to use, because mm-hmm. it is, it's, like I said, love letter to a lot of these movies mm-hmm. and appreciation for a lot of it. Um, and I think you can feel that, you know, watching the movie of how much appreciation that, that these people have for this uh, genre. In, in kind of what they're doing, um, which I think makes it, I think, much better um, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and much yeah, more and, impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a homo- an homage to those films and kind of their low production values and a lot of the kind of one take only <laughs> that they can afford style of these kinds of films. So that leads to some great gags that we're able to laugh at now, like in the scene where Dynamite is just saying, you know what, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. Fight, 
fight and the freaking uh and the freaking boom mic is in the shot and he even looks at it at one point <laughs> uh yeah i mean touching on yeah, a lot so, of those some, some so. act some actors uh recite stage direction as intended dialogue <laughs> um, it's like the militants turn startled <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a, the charm of it, you know, the appeal of, of something like this. So I think if you are a big fan who did watch a lot of those exploitation movies, which I've seen a few of them, like I mentioned, like some of the Pam mm-hmm. Greer movies like Coffee, um, I've seen, uh, I've seen Superfly. Uh, I don't know how many of you seen uh, yourself there, Nick. Mm, I, I think I've seen a little bit of the original Dolomite. I've seen... Uh, some of the Human Tornado, which is a movie that I that I freaking love, and I think a lot of my knowledge of it mostly comes from research after seeing Dolomite's My Name. Mm. Okay, yeah, and then also you know, a lot of my exposure to it has been just from other people, you know, older people as well, um, who have kind of introduced me to things uh, like from Rudy Ray Moore. Um, that's why I knew the, you know, where's Bucky and what has he had, you know, Disco Godfather, uh, things like that. Um, so yeah, that also helps, you know, having OGs that help you, you know, passing it down of, you know, these type of movies and, you know, the fun. And there, there was also, you know, criticism with these type of black exploitation movies of, you know, it may be glorifying pimp characters and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of drug dealer type characters like Superfly, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that kind of criticism there. Uh, but also, you know, with the movie, it was important of, you know, a lot of this. Yeah. Came- and all, yeah, and all, yeah. And also at the time black actors weren't getting work in Hollywood mm. they were, if they were, it was going to be in like some stereotype stuff. It was going to be like in another slave film. It was going to be in roles like this. So at least uh, from my understanding of it, a lot of what Rudy Raymore did was about taking, taking a lot of that power back from Hollywood and putting us, putting uh black actors in those roles with black production crews. Yeah um you know giving them uh kind of a lot of work and like you said exactly you know what i mean being in a position where black actors could be the star could be behind the camera um and and could have you know success you know with a black and these movies you know some of these black exploitation movies were very successful you know catering just to you know mainly kind of a black mm-hmm. audience you know they they did do pretty well um because they you know gave an opportunity to a lot of black people that otherwise mm-hmm. you could say wouldn't have had it you know in the larger hollywood system and so i think that that was also kind of very important um and and, and kind of very useful uh Michael J. White um, here, which I thought, you know, when I saw this movie, I thought he was really going to burst out more from this and be a much Mm -hmm. bigger star uh, because obviously he's got the body for it. He's got the look for it. um, Mm -hmm. You know, you see he's got a good knack for comedy. So, I mean, I think a lot of the opportunities Terry Crews has, Michael J. White should probably get. I I thought I would have kind of assumed that. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion on Michael J. White uh, in this movie? Uh, Michael Jai White, he's one of those actors who I love seeing him in in things because he is a great screen presence. He was in The Dark Knight. He was in, uh, of course, uh, Undisputed 2, which is one of my favorite uh, modern action movies, at least Western uh, action martial arts films. But he kind of fell into that that like straight-to-video world, which is kind of a shame because I think the guy has the talent and charisma for for bigger and better things. But he's been working steadily as an actor for almost a 30-year career, which very few people can say. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, very directed uh, DVD type stuff. I'm looking at you know some of his IMDb stuff here. Um, yeah, you know, very not kind of anything that will jump out to you. Um, I remember he did play in the Mortal Kombat. I think it was like uh, one of those YouTube film type yeah, things. It, yeah, it was a YouTube, uh, yeah, it was a YouTube short series, uh, Mortal Kombat Legacy, and he played Jax. Yeah. Uh, he was also in uh, in uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. He played a role on there. He was in, uh, excuse me, he was in uh, Batman Soul of the Dragon as Bronze Tiger. Yeah. But at, yeah, at, most of his career has been relegated to a lot of direct-to-video stuff. Yeah, uh, which I know he's been a little bit doing a little bit of campaigning to play Bronze Tiger. I think uh, actually wasn't he also a yeah he, yeah, a, he played live that action? character on Arrow. Yeah, uh, when he was on Arrow, uh, which kind of which made sense, you know what I mean? Which made kind of sense for you know it fit kind of his his what he does in real life, martial arts. That character's very martial arts, um, and the character in the comics is black as well, I believe. Um, uh, I believe he is. Um, so hey, maybe maybe he should hit up James Gunn, call, give him the call, and be like, hey man, you know, may I come in play a live action, you know, in one of these DC movies? Maybe, uh, maybe do that. Um, so yeah, because like I said, I think he's got the talent, got the charisma for it. Um, just I think you know needs just a little bit more opportunities. Um, and he's been so he's been in kind of a variety and people like I said dark knight was uh one he has a small part in it uh but it was kind of memorable because i remember he, i mean he did end up getting killed by the joker so that kind of makes it memorable <laughs> uh but it's just like he said enough from the clown and then he just kind of got up <laughs> uh <laughs> which was kind of a good moment there i thought uh but um yeah uh so yeah so i, I wish kind of bigger things for him what about your opinion on other people in the movie um that you have here the supporting cast Oh, the supporting cast of this is iconic, even down to uh, so iconic that when uh, Adult Swim eventually made a Black Dynamite series, they brought a lot of these characters and these actors back to voice them. Like you have uh, Kim Whiteley, who plays Honeybee. You have, uh, of course, you mentioned uh, Byron Minns, who plays Bullhorn, who's kind of like that that uh, guy who speaks only in rhyme. Mm. And, of course, uh, Tommy Davidson as Cream Corn. Yeah. But uh, besides that, the rest of the supporting cast is, is incredible in this. Again, we've mentioned Bokey Woodbine, Cedric Yarborough. Uh, we also have uh, Michael T. Williamson, who was a uh, Chicago win, the guy he's uh, trying to get information from when he's going into that pool hall. We also have the great Phil Morris, uh, who plays uh, one of the black revolutionaries who we all know from, from Atlantis, from Doom Patrol, and he was a Martian manhunter on Smallville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and I remember seeing some episodes of the uh animated series that they put on Adult Swim cuz it only lasted a couple of seasons uh I believe uh when they did the anime. Yeah, I think it I think it lasted two seasons. Yeah, it lasted two seasons and it was canceled. And yeah. it was from the same production team of the Boondocks. Mm. Yeah, and then I remember some episodes like they did an episode where he saved like Richard Pryor, like he helped Richard Pryor get to the, his comedy show and everything like that. And I remember there was a moment in that episode uh, where because it's all about like you know he's talking to Richard Pryor and people know Richard Pryor had a little bit of you know he had a drug addiction, <laughs> you know really really big drug addiction and everything. And Black Diamond is trying to help him, trying to overcome it. And then Richard Pryor talks to him at the end of the episode. Um, he's like, you know what? I think now. I think I'm going to get over this. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to beat it. And I'm, I'm going to be done with it now. And then you see him. And this is, then the next scene you see him, he enters the club. And he's like, where the cocaine at? You know what I mean? Like, I think, 
uh, that was just it is a- kind of that it is kind of that very edgy very edgy humor but i was just re-watching a couple episodes of it just in the course of getting ready for this and shit made me laugh i, I don't know what to say yeah what uh which episodes did you uh, happen to check out before this uh review oh i checked i checked out um just one i saw today was uh roots the white album or the blacker the community, the deeper the roots. Mm-hmm. Or those cotton-picking crackers. This <laughs> one where all the characters watch Roots on TV and they finally see how bad slavery was. So Al Sharpton just kind of whips everybody into a frenzy and they enslave white people. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez, man. Um, you know, especially <laughs> like just people getting on the Proud family right now. Yeah, I don't think that would go too well right now. I think there would be a lot of discussion <laughs> about that kind of going on. Uh, and, and they had a they had a Black Jaws, which uh, was, of course, a parody of Jaws. And you have the Captain Quentin, the eye patch guy, and he's voiced by Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. And the animated show, it had a lot of like... Um, you know, kind of famous kind of black celebrities that kind of came in it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like people who they were doing yeah. kind of jokes on. They had like Michael Jackson, OJ Simpson, Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier, Richard Pryor, Don Cornelius, Dick Clark, Spike Lee, Mr. T, uh, uh, let's see, uh, James Brown, uh, Isaac Hayes, Bob Marley. So a lot of different like huge kind of black figures, black celebrities that came on it as well. So people who were very prominent, you know, during that time, um, you know, during the, during the seventies and everything like that. Um, and you know, speaking of like you know, part of making this film and everything that kind of goes into it, the music um, was also kind oh. of a huge part of it as well. I'm going to play some of the a little bit of some of the music. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, yeah. The score, which is uh, done by Adrian Young, and he used a lot of influence from guys like uh, like um, I'm blanking on names right now. Like uh, I'm very bad with names. Yeah, guys like Curtis Mayfield, guys like Isaac Hayes, and of yeah. course uh, Neil Morricone in certain bits of it. Yeah, uh, um, and the Wu Tang Clan, which he listed. Yeah. Um, I wanna tell you so I'm gonna play a little bit of the theme here. So very much, you can hear the Isaac Hayes kind of inspiration there a little bit. Um, Isaac Hayes, who was a very prominent figure. Uh, Curtis Mayfield, who did the soundtrack for Superfly. Um, Isaac Hayes, who um, also, I believe, he did the soundtrack for uh, Shaft, I believe, was the movie that he did the soundtrack for, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yep, he did the theme for Shaft, yep, which was the iconic, everybody knows the, the that theme. Uh, the da-na-na, da-na-na, like everybody, like that it was huge yeah back in the day like hugely iconic theme um but adrian Young, a bad mother shit man how did you like the uh soundtrack for black dynamite oh the soundtrack it's it's amazing it is an area very much wearing its influences on its sleeve but um Everything from like how it uses a lot of like European funk from stuff like the Wu Tang Clan, and a lot of it was uh, at least uh, his work with Wu Tang. It was about making music and making beats that they would want to sample. So a lot of that ended up playing into how Young composed the score for this movie. But every time I hear freaking uh, Dynamite, which the theme, which is done by uh, Sir Charles Hughes, that that theme is iconic. Mm, yeah. And the dynamite bit that I'm going to be using for the show, um, you can hear it right here. Dynamite! 
which I absolutely, I absolutely love that. I got to use that. I'm going to use that for a sound <laughs> alert. Uh, definitely. Um, oh, we got to. Because uh, that is, yeah, that is fantastic. So it, yeah, it goes into, yeah, a lot of bringing that, even with the music of this is very authentic, um, which is really nice. Uh, and Adrian Young, yeah, really good uh, producer. If you've never heard his music before, um, you know, really, really does really good stuff. And it's, I'm looking at some of the stuff he's done. He also did Luke Cage, did the soundtrack for that um, as well. That does not that does not shock me at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's also yeah he's also worked with uh, guys like Deftonics, guys like Ghostface Killer, guys like Kendrick Lamar. Mm, yeah. Um, which is uh, his thing with the Delphonics, uh, really good too. Uh, um, and the people might have heard a Delphonics song because Delphonics showed up in, I believe it was, I think it was Jackie Brown uh, that the Delphonics uh, showed up. Is uh, where I first heard them um, from that uh, was in Jackie Brown, and they even do a, um, a kind of a, a mention of that in the writing. I think I think Samuel Jackson when he's talking to uh, Robert Forster because uh, Robert Forrester, he kind of gets into a little bit of a relationship with Pam Grier's character. Um, and then he, you know, you know, just like when you try to get interested in a woman, you try to figure out what she likes, and then, you know, she's in the Delphonics, so he starts listening to Delphonics, and then Samuel Jackson, he's in the car, he's like, what your ass know about some Delphonics? What you know about them? <laughs> um, I believe if I'm remembering that correctly, if I remember that, I think it was, they were talking about the Delphonics, if I remember that correctly. But if somebody will probably correct me there. Um, yeah, if, if, yeah, if I'm not right. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I, and then the way this movie, the the the, the whole uh, when they try to investigate, it, this is really funny too. With the in um, in Black Dynamite, they start to investigate all the stuff that's kind of going on, and the drugs leads him to, to a broader, bigger conspiracy of that. There's a huge government conspiracy um, that they're pumping in drugs into the black community um, in order to make black man's penises smaller, um, and then it goes all the way up to. <laughs> uh, the president (laughs) oh and just before we get into that just the entire like scene of them realizing in the mental gymnastics that it took to finally get to the (laughs) revelation that anaconda malt liquor and what is the slogan for anaconda malt liquor it gives you what and who is famous for little richard uh that was yeah i love this and then when they and the funniest bit when they find the guy who was actually drinking all their first reaction should we kill him i mean yeah i mean they were giving him a mercy killing uh basically there (laughs) um that kind of happens uh so i mean so to see that it goes all the way and he ends up Going to the White House and fighting the president with nunchucks, <laughs> and fighting Richard Nixon with nunchucks. This movie is incredible. Which is, I mean, how can you have a movie end any like any better? I mean, you're you're fighting Richard Nixon with nunchucks. I mean, what can, <laughs> no, what else can you ask no, for? Fighting Richard Nixon with nunchucks and uh, and then slap and bitch slapping his wife into like a dinner chinaware cabinet, and the entire time. Ah! <laughs> she's like looking back to make sure she hits the mark <laughs> <laughs> jeez 
Um, so I mean, I mean, what? I mean, hey, this movie's got everything. It's got the action. It's like RRR. It's got the action. It's got the comedy. It's got the soundtrack. It's got, you know, what I mean, fighting the president with nunchucks. You know, it's like, hey, it's got all what this- more? What more could you want? This movie is cinema. <laughs> this is a movie I have I have watched and rewatched fairly regularly since uh, since I first saw it in 2012. This is a movie I put on every time I have people over at my house. This is a movie I show every single person I know. It is a blast every time. And I keep finding new things that are funny or even things that are impressive. Because, again, with Michael Jai White, you know, he is uh, he is one of our uh, – one of the West's great martial arts actors. And the fight scenes in here are kind of incredible. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What's some of your favorite fight scenes here? Oh, of course, uh, the scene in the hip pocket with the – pool hall where he like does his like a little kata with his nunchucks and he loses them for a second and then they just get tossed back to him off screen Mm. uh i like uh the action scene where he's kind of ambushed by those uh guys there uh kind of the asian guys into like the big kind of drug den where they kind of get ambushed Mm. i really like that scene i think that scene's pretty good (laughs) fiendish Uh, dr Wu and his kung fu treachery (laughs) uh I mean, I thought, yeah, I thought that was really good, too. Um, yeah, Michael Jai White, I mean, because he is a very professional with this. So, um, I mean, those look really good, and those are really well done um, and, and really perform very well. Um, so, I mean, what would your rating be for this movie? I've already said, this is fucking cinema. This is cinema. And, and for me, for me, when I give this a cinema, it's I try to save those for a movie that I that I'd love to revisit, that I want to watch over and over and over again. And I can't think of a better description for that than Black Dynamite. Mm. Yeah. Um, this movie is incredibly rewatchable, and it's very short. I forgot, it. I didn't, I forgot how short mm-hmm. it was, because it's only an hour. Yeah, it's an, yeah it's, an, it's an hour and 24, yeah, it's 84 minutes long. And for the longest time, this movie was available free to watch on YouTube. You know, just pulling more into uh, the film's black exploitation roots. Mm, yeah. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can check it out there. Um, I mean, it's I, I. It's not really. I don't think there's anything really I dislike about this movie. I mean, I think it. it accomplishes its mission gets in gets out it's got a great star great supporting cast really funny stuff um pays homage to the genre that it's doing and does it well um you know not, I would, yeah not just paying not just paying homage to that genre but really living as a film in that genre which is something that we talk about with parody or like spoofs or uh genre mixings all the time it is a film that has to work within the genre that it is parodying in order to succeed. We talk about it with stuff like Shaun of the Dead, stuff like Hot Fuzz, um, <clears throat> and even to to an extent, a film like Werewolves Within, which we talked about before. And this is literally meant to. This was literally made as a black exploitation film, even down to like the trailer for it, which they shot for like five hundred bucks on Super Eight film. And they like list the film it's like it's like all star running back Tavante Jones as Black Dynamite. Mm. Mm. Um, so I mean, like I said, it should be mentioned in the like you said, like like something like Shaun of the Dead um, or Hard Fuzz when we talk about kind of those movies living within their genre and, and excelling at it and taking those things uh, because it does that uh, very well. And there's so many classic scenes, like we mentioned, like the you know the Black Dynamite scene where he's talking to the pimps. Uh, there's also another great scene that like I see like people's always like a reply that people make. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, the, I wonder if you know what scene I'm talking about. It's the scene where he goes and visits uh, the women, um, and then there's like some woman who comes like out the corner. <laughs> like you remember that? <laughs> yeah, and that was like a thing that I think uh, White said in interviews. I think this was back on the Nerdist back in the day. It was like I didn't want to make Black Dynamite too cool. Like there's like a little bit off with him. It's like Dynamite's gonna make everything all right. Euphoria, shut the fuck up! I know that was you. I ain't gotta look. <laughs> Uh, let me see. I pull up this clip right here of it. Dynamite's gonna make everything all It's a thing that just comes out of nowhere. Up. I know that was you. I ain't even got a look. I should send your ass back to Crenshaw P with his hot ass coat hangers, bitch. Would you like that? <laughs> Jesus. Like, he just went off on that woman for just no reason. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, wow. Uh, just complete this one. Send, send, send your ass to Crenshaw P with his hot ass coat hangers. Wow, I just like damn, right? Just <laughs> emptied the clip there. Um Yeah, so for me, I would give it, I would agree. I dude, would give it. Dude didn't dude didn't empty the clint. He emptied the whole fucking armory. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I love almost I, I love pretty much everything about this movie. I think it succeeds um uh, on every level. Um so yeah, I would give it a this is cinema for me. Damn, they made the hell out of this movie. They put the ankle in it. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was Black Dynamite.